episode nine of Piecing It Together. Here we go. Uh, we got a lot of great feedback on that last one, the bus party to hell. Thank you so much, everyone that's been out there listening and uh, subscribing and reviewing the show. Um, please, if you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to the show. Um, we want to make sure that you keep getting these episodes and uh, we want to keep getting feedback. So please keep on emailing us, uh, leaving comments, leaving reviews. Uh, we want to know what you're thinking. We want to respond to your uh, comments and all that. So thank you again for listening. Uh, and today we've got a really cool one. Um, this is going to be the first time uh, we've had my friend Chris Cranock on the show. And uh, we are doing the movie Isle of Dogs. Um, Isle of Dogs is a stop motion animated adventure from Wes Anderson. Me being a dog guy and a stop motion animation guy and a Wes Anderson guy, it's kind of a dream come true. Luckily, it's pretty great, too. With the voices of Bill Murray, Brian Cranston, Francis McDormand, Yoko Ono, and many, many, many more. It's a unique film in which a pack of formerly housebroken dogs who have been exiled to Trash Island off the coast of Japan team up with a 12-year-old boy to find his lost dog. The stop-motion animals are all beautifully rendered, and it's a quirky, fun story filled with lots of laughs, adventure, heart, and a lot of Wes Anderson. So we are here uh, doing another episode of Piecing It Together. And with me for the first time, I've got Chris Cranock to talk about Isle of Dogs. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing very well. How's it going, man? I am doing all right. I, you are uh, one of the first people I wanted to be on this show back when I first started you know, talking about doing it. And uh, I think uh, this is a cool one to do, even though I think we're going to have a little difference of opinion based on our Facebook chats. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. Difference of opinion. That makes it more interesting. Absolutely. But I, but I appreciate that you wanted me on, so thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely, man. It's, it's an honor. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this, um, obviously, being a Wes Anderson movie, it's it's a thing, you know? <laughs> a Wes Anderson movie is a thing. And um, I, he kind of is someone who you know, wears his inspirations right on his sleeve. So, yes. you know, it's pretty obvious going in that you're going to be able to see those kind of things. And I think um, for someone like him, uh, you know, I, I'm putting an assumption here. And I kind of told you this earlier when we were just chatting before we started, but a little assumption, I think you'll kind of have a little more insight than <laughs> I will on this particular episode, but yeah, I, maybe. that's fine. That's okay. If not, don't mean to put you on the spot or anything. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I know nothing about the man. Yeah. No, I'm no. Kidding. I, I know a decent you, amount. You know, not a damn thing, huh? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, no, with that, I mean, I think um, I'm going to let you jump in first with your first puzzle piece. What do you think uh, inspired this particular brand of Wes Anderson Oh, well, I mean, the first thing, widely kind of obvious, but Japanese cinema is right. the big one, is the giveaway. But more specifically, probably like uh, the, the work of Akira Kurosawa and the uh, and Ozu, which is one of my favorite Japanese filmmakers as well, that the whole film kind of felt like an ode to those films. Mm -hmm. And um, and in, in not such a subtle way as <laughs> part of the thing. I mean, right. I know that's his shtick and that's very, that's good, but that's one of the things like... Uh, that's my point of contention with him usually is that I, I wish a lot of filmmakers I admire transcend their their influences. Right. But you can see him in there, of course. But when you go to a Wes Anderson film, sometimes it feels like you're just watching his version of something else. Right. And, and yet, and that's a kind of a controversial statement, too, because uh, he's also extremely unique and it's you can recognize his work immediately. So, yeah, I don't know. His use of Japanese cinema, particularly Akira Kurosawa, not, not a very original comment. A lot of people are making that comment. Right. right. But that'd be the first thing. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you know, definitely without even knowing his work, I mean, I just kind of, you <laughs> right. know, I'm like, you know, there's probably an Akira Kurosawa that, that <laughs> he's uh, referencing, <laughs> I, I'm sure. But <laughs> Well, it's funny, I mean, Akira Kurosawa is, one, is, a, is such a huge influence over all of Japanese cinema mm -hmm. that it is something that even like anyone that isn't too familiar with that part of the world in, in movies can, can sense it, can feel it. Mm -hmm. And that filmmaker is also one of the most like westernized Japanese filmmakers, which is interesting. Uh, someone like Ozu uh, was actually very uniquely Japanese. So they, at, at first his films didn't really reach a wide audience because they didn't think they would do well in the West, but in reality they did quite well. But yeah, Kira Kobasawa is you know, closely linked to someone like 
John Ford doing westerns. The samurai films were heavily influenced by westerns, and then then later on, westerns were heavily influenced by Japanese cinema. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's stuff that we recognize instantly, uh, almost in an intuitive in an intuitive level. level. Right. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of back and forth, uh, you know, inspiration going on uh, between all those different things, and so you know then it eventually makes its way to someone like Wes Anderson in a stop motion <laughs> film about dogs. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a strange thing really, because um, it's a, you know, what a bizarre combination of things to do. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I mean, the movie worked for me on a visual level, of course, as sure. a, as an extremely beautiful movie and you can never deny that, but there's something uh, that as his as his films have progressed, Wes Anderson's that is, is that there's kind of a sterile quality to them, mm. and I think that the reference of, of Japanese cinema, um, I don't know if it really lended itself well to to the the film overall. I felt right. a little on the outside of it, looking in a little. See, I and I did like it, um, and I, I especially like the different styles of of, of uh, Japanese culture that mm. they use in like different scenes, like when they're on the TV, they're showing more of a uh, anime cartoon oh, style yeah, yeah, yeah. then you know like there's like a lot of different it's like almost like just this big smorgasbord of all <laughs> things celebrating you know all things japan i guess it kind of depends on how you look at it whether or not it's celebrating or just ripping off and i kind yeah. of i kind of look at it more as a celebration mm-hmm. um but you know i it's i definitely have seen a lot of uh a lot of comments about where uh you know where he's trying to go with it and yeah, well, the thing is, you have to be careful, too, because you should always look at a movie based on its own merits. Right. And sometimes it's easy. And I'm, I'm, you know, I do this. Is sometimes you always judge every movie based upon the entire person's catalog. Yeah, yeah. And you got to be careful with that. Like, I think there's some validity there. You can definitely uh, make a case for seeing his work as a complete, you know, as a whole. Yeah. And then, uh, because there are very indiscriminate Wes Anderson fans that will just watch anything. It doesn't matter what he does, and they love it. Yeah. And I'm just not that way with any filmmaker. I don't know if it's because I'm a filmmaker. I don't know if, you know, if I'm more keenly uh, or trying to be more keenly objective about certain movies. Mm-hmm. But who knows? But I don't know. I feel like, uh, um, yeah, as I see his entire catalog, I see I want him to be more fresh and original because I like him. I think he's a great. I'm more critical of talented people I really like than I would be of Transformers 10. Right. Because I don't care. Who cares if that movie's not any good? It's, you know, made to go make money and yeah. that's fine. I fully understand yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I am somebody who, uh, when I love a certain filmmaker, I mean, I, I, I am super excited for every single thing they do and I will eat up every single thing <laughs> they do. But at the right. same time, I will absolutely be honest with, if I'm disappointed by it, sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to uh, just let that cloud my judgment after the fact, you know? Right. Um, Moonrise Kingdom is specifically a Wes Anderson movie that I just, I just stared at the screen for 90 minutes. And yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, I don't know what's happening here. I don't like this. <laughs> well, this is just, this is just an assumption. We don't really know how much, you know, they're no longer involved. But I think once the, the, uh, the Wilson, brothers kind of left the scene yeah i felt like it was a big drop-off like i was a big fan of rushmore it was an important film to me in my life i think mm-hmm. in, in, in the independent world it was important it was extremely uh fresh and original and, and excellent i really enjoyed it and then royal tenenbaums was i think objectively yeah. maybe his best films yeah best one of his best films and then after that it just really started going hit and miss for me and i was really not a fan of life aquatic which again i know mm. it's probably many of your listeners is sacrilege right right but uh no good no good what did you think of uh, grand budapest hotel um it's again a very beautiful movie mm-hmm. uh but it's become they slowly became more and more cartoonish the irony of that he's getting into stop motion doing his second stop motion film right. is that all his live action films almost starting they almost start to feel like they're crossing into a fantastical cartoon-like world yeah and there's they don't they lack a substance for me mm. you know i think there's a lot of real sincerity and substance in films like rushmore and royal tenenbaums and then it also complemented his style so beautifully they kind of worked in tandem together mm. and then as the films progressed for me anyway they've become much more stylized yeah, yeah and definitely. a lot of that kind of sincerity and, and spirit has kind of withered away it's become more about style than substance yeah. Well, that's a really great transition into my uh, first puzzle piece here, which is actually something that I described this movie as to a couple of friends, is uh, Saturday Morning Cartoons by way of Wes Anderson. 
<laughs> which yeah, that's um, yeah, that's pretty I, good. It, it very much felt like every Saturday morning cartoon that I loved as a kid. I mean, it had those like like just like those gags and the the silliness, and of course, you know, the talking animals and you know, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, but um, uh, you know, it was still weird. It still had that you know that. Wes Anderson dark comedy mm-hmm. to it, but I also felt like it was kind of his most straightforward comedy at oh, the yeah. same time. You know, yeah. um, his movies are always funny, but you know, this one I was in a surprisingly crowded theater. I, I, I don't normally see that many people out for that kind of a filmmaker, but sure. um, but yeah, I mean, everyone was cracking up and really loving it. See, and that surprises me too because again, maybe I'm this is the minority opinion, but I thought it was like his least funny movie. Like That's I, funny. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't laugh. And I don't know if it's because it was so straightforward. Usually there's a it was kind of a simple movie. I know it's intended in yeah. part for children, but I thought that like a fantastic Mr. Fox, which I know you're not a huge fan yeah, of. Yeah, right? no, it's probably my second least to least after yeah. Moonrise. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I actually really actually enjoyed my Fantastic Mr. Fox. I did like Mr. Fantastic Fox. Yeah. Uh, fantastic Mr. Fox, though. Um but yeah, d- definitely didn't love it. Yeah, it was that thing. There was like there was more and that's the thing is I've actually asked myself this question. I thought to myself, why does Fantastic Mr. Fox work? And maybe then Life Aquatic doesn't for me. Mm-hmm. Or, and I, you know, it's funny. I had a change of heart about Darjeeling Limited. That was a movie that I kind of wrote off. And I think unfairly. When I, I don't know why I did. I just didn't connect with it or mm-hmm. something. But then I revisited it. And it was like, oh, wow, this is this is good. You know, this is I really enjoyed it. So I don't know why some work and some don't. I've thought about that. But for Fantastic Mr. Fox, there seemed to have that kind of depth uh, that was kind of beneath the surface. And then with uh, Isle of Dogs, it felt particularly like a ch- children's movie in the yeah. sense that it was, you know, kind of simple, hollow. Well, important question here. Uh, do you love dogs? I love dogs in general, you yes. Do? And I also love my own dog more yeah. than anything on the planet. Okay. I'm planning a ritualistic suicide once he dies. It's a good idea. Yeah, it's, yeah. I can't go on living. I, 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 th- <laughs> I think that's probably the best for the best for all of us. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. 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 Myself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but no, I was going to say because that's, uh, to me, the, uh, this movie I thought really captured a lot of that quirkiness of dogs, which is part of what I liked about it so much. Yeah. You know, I mean, I didn't really think so. <laughs> well, uh, quirkiness of dogs, yes, but there's a kind of a kind of a base sentimentality to the movie mm-hmm. where I don't know if you noticed, but like 85% of the movie, everyone's eyes are watering the up. Teary <laughs> the eyes, teary yeah. eyes. <laughs> and it started to kind of bother. It got annoying because I thought, you know, because the thing is, is like you're injecting sentimentality into mm-hmm. something that isn't really being earned. I don't really feel connected. Yeah. Besides the idea that I like dogs, which mm-hmm. is I think is a given for most audience members. I think it's kind of a cheap way to connect <laughs> us to your story. There's we they, like... they got me a hundred percent. Hook line I and like sinker. The, the, uh, the little dog that didn't have many lines. Um I forgot who voiced the dog, but um you know I mean they were adorable. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. I mean one of the things that I was I'd, I'd mention is that the movie was stunningly beautiful and adorable. Yeah. And uh but maybe I'm just a cynical, mean old person. <laughs> you but I mean, yeah, maybe I'm just an asshole. But uh, no, but I mean, yeah, love dogs. I connect with animals, and mm-hmm. it was really, it was really fun to watch them be so cute. Yeah, and even the the character, the human characters are very cute. Yeah, for little sure. pilot and all that, very nice. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it just wasn't enough to hook me in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, man, we need to get some Claritin in this universe because people are tearing up. <laughs> Um, so what, what would your, uh, next puzzle piece be? Uh, I actually thought about that. Probably the, I mean, the world of Japanese animation mm-hmm. by and large, not only anime, but a lot of the great, you know, Howl's Moving Castle and mm-hmm. a lot of those, you know, from those, those, that great, um, that's probably something that I'd see as a big influence, probably just in its, uh, not only in its visual presence, you know, the movies are visually stunning as we've mentioned, but also to like how the characters, move within the world and things like that. It kind of had that classical animation feel. Sure. Even though it had a, even though it was stop motion as opposed to standard animation, uh, which is a feat unto itself. It's amazing sure. these movies being made. So that those are really that's a really amazing thing. Um but yeah, I felt like traditional Japanese cinema and the stuff that um we've you know, me and you probably have grown up seeing uh was heavily influenced. 
was a big influence. Did, did you have any other uh, specific uh, Japanese animation uh, films other than Howl's uh, Moving Castle? Is that Moving Castle? Um, I mean, Spirited Away, of course. That's mm-hmm. probably the biggest one, even more so than Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah. I, think I'm, I, I love Spirited Away, a beautiful film. Uh, really enjoy it. But I have some kind of a tender spot for Howl's Moving Castle. Right. I don't know why that is. And that kind of popped to mind. But yeah, if I had to really think about it, uh, Spirited Away right would on. be the big one. Very cool. Yeah. Well, my next one here um, is a, a a very surface level one, but um, I, I think it definitely works, and that's the Jungle Book. Okay. Um, which you know, the boy lost with animals and adventure. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, uh, you know, this is different. Of course, you can't uh, understand the animals. There's the whole uh, uh, the lack of communication between them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, still, I think. Uh, this is kind of a more warped version <laughs> of that, yeah. but uh, definitely, I, I I think I see uh, that kind of story, that kind of adventure being mm-hmm. explored here, okay. um, just by way of like a, a Wes Anderson type director, you know? Right. Yeah. So. Put it in his whole stylistic world. Exactly. The front facing, long depth camera shot, wherever we're yeah. looking to the side, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. The monotone voices. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the design, the meticulous design, the uh, all the like the weird little quirks that go along with it, you know, which yeah. it was pretty damn quirky. This <laughs> one, yeah. all the little things. You it know? was. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, I feel like um, that style. Not to sound overly repetitive, but I feel like it's like almost working. It's almost like we're becoming, as an audience, less crucial to the experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the. the, the, the uh, the um, style is so precise, yeah, and and it's and in a sense repetitive. I feel like I'm starting to anticipate this. Mm-hmm. I know what now. I know what to expect with a Wes Anderson movie, sure, and which takes a little bit of the magic out of it. You know, I mean, it's like how many times can we watch this one particular thing? Um, but yeah, I think we're almost becoming less uh, crucial to the experience. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's an interesting point because I mean, it. It's pretty clear, especially someone like Wes Anderson, He's these are his own exercises in what he wants to see. I mean, he's sure. such such a uh, designer of, of the scene, of, of, yeah. of everything that's happening uh, on the screen. And, you know, it's a good question about whether or not he's doing this for the audience or for himself, for, for his right. own, right. Uh, sure. yeah. for his own, like, uh, idea of what should be on screen. Well, that's I mean that's a really actually a, a fascinating topic to even talk about because I believe an artist should do what they'd like for themselves. You can't always anticipate you know what the audience will like or what mm-hmm. you, you know that's it, it's quickly turns into pandering to your audience. So I really feel like you know the, the Hitchcock approach approach pardon me is 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 a, a healthy one I think, which is that he did things that scared him, mm-hmm. but he had the understanding that he wasn't that unique. Yeah. So. You have this instead of it becoming mediocre, instead of it kind of being the lowest common denominator for the largest audience, it ended up being deeply personal. Mm-hmm. But then all those deep personal fears had some kind of universal connection to the audience. Sure. And so it's a really, I mean, so yeah, it's tough. Um, I think it's a maybe it's a filmmaker by filmmaker basis. It's a style by style thing. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it works for some people than others. I saw it with a friend of mine, Marcy, uh, mm-hmm. and Marcy loves Wes Anderson, and she cried and she laughed and she had this very emotional experience. And I felt like I had just read the back of a of a cereal box. You know, I was like, <laughs> how how am I having that experience? You're having you're you're wiping tears from your eyes. Should I add a uh, back of cereal box to the list of influences? Uh, yeah, or? maybe yeah. I think back of cereal box. <laughs> yeah, cardboard cardboard wooden. Yeah, with like. A cute dog prize. Inside. Hey, who who doesn't love Tony the Tiger and oh, yeah. Blueberry? They're and all great. Them. You know, they're great characters. <laughs> D- deep characters. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. And Count Chocula was a favorite growing up. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, no, yeah, it's but that's the thing. You've Got to strike that balance. Yeah. You know, I want to make films that appeal to an audience, of course, but I don't want to pander mm-hmm. and have them anticipate where what I'm going to do for them. I want to still surprise them. Sure. So I think there has to be a certain. Um, uniform you know personal you can't really think about the audience and yet at the same time try to make something that that connects people sure and i'm sure he does that i don't think he deliberately wants to keep us out right that's the thing is that i'm not it's not machiavellian that he doesn't want his audience members to to understand his movie or anything i think he really intends them to be emotional experiences but sometimes they work and sometimes they don't yeah i mean maybe when he's you know spending so much time on 
doing the Wes Anderson thing. It's right. not spending so you know enough right. time on yeah. on the audience specifically. Right. I heard a brilliant quote one time uh, from Lou Reed, one of my heroes, just in general, but also my musical heroes. Mm. And he said uh, in the seventies, he he was writing, and he said to himself. Oh, I wonder if this is something Lou Reed would write. <laughs> and then eventually he realized that, well, if I wrote it, it's something I would write. You're right. So I think you should, that, that just, I took that, that to heart. That was a really, I think, profound uh, realization that, uh, yeah, you're allowed to go down these, you're allowed to, to change. Yeah. And it can still be something you would do. You know, I mean, you're, you can never escape yourself, really. Sure. Yeah. You know, and when it comes to Wes, um, Here's the thing that you're, this is all personal. I think people listening to this, like, this guy is just up, yeah, goes up his own ass. That's fine. And I definitely, and I kind of am. So I'll just admit to that. No, but the okay. real, but you know, Hey, I'm the one that started a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. True. True. Okay. But the thing is, you know, uh, I sometimes, and this is, he's not the only one, you know, someone like even like uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, the Andersons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I'm watching like what they're into at the moment. Right. You know what I mean? Like when I saw Darjeeling, the first the instinct I had was like, oh, well, this is like his Indian art film period. Yeah. And then I saw uh, Life Aquatic and this was a ta- his Italian film period. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, when someone's super crazy talented, like the, both the, those guys are, they're, they're geniuses. And I really mean that. I yeah. think they're geniuses. I want them to give me more. I want them to be better. I don't want to go like, oh, well, I've seen that movie. You know, it's like. There will be blood as the shining with milkshakes. You know what I mean? And it's like, and I can't unsee that. And it's like, be better, man. Right. But I will say, I love Phantom Thread. So, okay. and that's just Hitchcock's Rebecca. Yeah, that's just Rebecca. <laughs> but it works. Yeah. So I don't have any rhyme or reason to my criticism. Right. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it if it doesn't. works, it works. Yeah. And when if it I, works, it works. If I like it, I like it. <laughs> yeah. And that's the all. I that's the only like rhythm I have to any of this. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, do you have another uh, puzzle piece to add to this? Um, yeah, there's a there's actually a Akira Kurosawa uh, film in, in particular mm-hmm. uh, called uh, Deskaden, which uh, it's a made up word. So if I butchered the pronunciation of that, I, I care less than if it was a, an actual Japanese word. Okay. But uh, Deskaden, I believe that's proper. Uh, but it's about a family and about people that live in a trash heap okay. in Japan. So it's basically the story of Isle of Dogs minus as many dogs. Yeah. It's almost identical, really. And huh. uh, so it's very colorful and very whimsical. It's probably Akira Kurosawa's most like entertaining film in, in a traditional sense. He made a lot of very entertaining films. But in a very traditional sense, like it's exactly the premise <laughs> of Isle of Dogs, essentially. Interesting. So that one was the big one. When I watched it, I was like, oh, okay, I know what he watched on Thursday. You're That's right. how I felt. It was like <laughs> the Thursday prior to writing the script, I should say. Yeah. You know? So that's interesting. That that's the one like so far that's like, damn, I, I should watch that. Like, you yeah, know what I mean? I should that. watch that and see the uh you know, see the comparison there. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I just watched today, this is funny, interestingly interestingly enough, not to be too off topic, but I watched Heat, mm-hmm. the Michael Mann movie. Yeah. And I and I hadn't watched it in years. And I'm a big fan of Chris Nolan's The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of that movie. I think it's a great movie. And uh I just couldn't believe that. Dark Knight is essentially heat with Batman in it. Sure. Like, yeah. But like, a, but a lot. Like yeah. By the, <laughs> the editing pace, the camera angles, the position of the camera, the music. I haven't seen heat in a long time, but even like the color tone. The color right? tone. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's ser- Batman. It's like Batman's yeah. in heat. That's what, that's what we should have called the Dark Knight. Batman in heat would yeah. be a different uh, movie. A very though. horny Batman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's kind of a, Yeah. yeah. But I couldn't believe it. I was like, I was, I was a gog. Yeah. Because uh, it's the same movie, <laughs> and I was blown away. That is, really you know, funny. I think it's like, hey, listen, I have influences that I copy and mimic. I mean, where they say, uh, amateurs borrow and professionals steal. Right. Now, these are great. Yeah, and it's all true. We all, you know, we're all like the the flower of these people, these people's manure. You know mm-hmm. I mean, we're all we all owe a deep credit to them. But for me personally, I hold myself. I try to hold myself to a a, heart, a big standard, which is like. What's best for my story, and then I don't if I I don't want to deliberately reference anybody. It will be in there. Right. I mean, I I can't get away from the fact that I'm made up of these other people. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> so it's gonna be right in there. Yeah. So I try to really de- not deliberately copy them or or even do like a reference to them because one, it's something that's like it, it irritates me, and two, I think I'm doing my story a disservice. Right. And three, it will already be there in in there anyway. Yeah. I mean, I you know, I'm basically always making eight and a half. By Fellini or The Shining over and over again. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever break that cycle, but that's kind of like what I'm always doing, I think. So, yeah, it's just in there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely a sensitive 
subject for me, like even on a personal level, because I can bat that that urge yeah. to go off and do the things that I've been inspired by and, and seen. You know. By the way, uh, somebody reviewed this show on iTunes, and they used that quote. Uh, what is it? Amateurs uh, borrow, borrow professional steel. steel. Yeah. Yeah. Someone used that quote uh, about you. That, well, about like the concept, like about uh, influences and movies and stuff. Oh, what and, is this? What are you yeah, influenced by and, for this project? Oh, I don't know. Just, just just the fact that whenever I talk about movies with people, there's always like, oh, it's like this meets this meets this. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so, well, we've also been like we're subject to the. I don't know if anyone is in the industry, but this has even gone beyond the industry. It's like we always hear about this elevator pitch mm. where it's like, if you walk in an elevator with Steven Spielberg, yeah. you better tell him your movie in like one line. And it's always like, you know, Harry Met Sally meets, right. you, know, you know, the Terminator or yeah. whatever. And it's like, and we really stop our, our creativity thinking in those terms. Right. Um, I'm proud to have movies that it's difficult to sum up in one sentence. Right. That's, you know? that's yeah. When, when a movie can't be uh you know mixed together like that that's yeah. that's when you got something like really interesting although usually there's something you know what i mean oh, I, always yeah there, always, there's always. always something that you could like you know dig down and find yeah um, i just kind of hate yeah. doing it though yeah <laughs> like i do it i have to do it people yeah. i mean no one's gonna read a you know a 10 sentence synopsis it's just not gonna happen right so you have to do that and it's just you know it's at a necessity but it does kill the soul a little bit when you're like <laughs> how does this idea which i think is so original of course it's not right how do i you know how do i find four other movies that i could smash it together and it look it feels like that right you know that's just a part of it. But. That's 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 the filmmaker point of view, I think. Yeah. Is, you know, is looking at it that way because uh, obviously we're we're reviewing movies in a way here, and so that from that point of view, it's kind of like like yeah, it makes sense to look at all the different movies that make something up. But then I'm, I'd imagine from a filmmaker, it's like oh, but I was doing this, you know. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, as long as it's unconscious, you know that you right. Know, like Stanley Kubrick, one of my favorite people, of course, he. Um, he was heavily influenced by a French guy named Max O'Fools. Mm -hmm. And you can see direct correlations from Stanley's iconic camera movements from right from Max. Yeah. And so, you, and, but, but, but on the other hand of that, on the other side of that, um, Stanley never repeated himself. He was a stylist that he lived in this weird limbo where you could watch five seconds of his movie mm -hmm. and you could tell it was him. And yet he always surprised you. Yeah. He never repeated himself. He never pandered. He was always surprising the audience in some way, shape, or form. He was growing. Yeah. But that Max of Fools, uh, you know, was st uh, influence was, you know, kind of burned into him. Sure. And that's kind of the goal, I think. We should, I think we should just be less impressed with reference. Sure. By and large. Like, you know, we watch Quentin Tarantino movies and we're like, oh man, he's watched a lot of obscure movies. Like, that's not impressive anymore. To me, anyway, I'm tired of that. Right. You know, I'm happy he worked a blockbuster and saw all these obscure films. That's great. Yeah. But like, tell me another movie. Give me something else. I want to know more about you as a filmmaker, not you as the fan. Yeah. And that's the thing is people will totally disagree with that. Or if they maybe they haven't seen the films that have influenced these other films. And so it's a, it is a new experience for them. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of positivity in that. Yeah. That's why I feel like sometimes I'm being extra intense about it and I should kind of relax a little. But <laughs> but again, I'm, but I'm the only one viewing the movies through my eyes. So sure. I, can, I can be critical as much as I want. Well, but, a, a big goal of this show uh, from the beginning was to, um, to to figure out these these influences. That way we could make movie recommendations, you know, oh, what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. get people going back and checking out other movies. And sure. so, you know, it definitely works from that point of view. But you know, I could I could totally picture, like I said, that filmmaker point of view of like trying to describe your own movie and being right. like, you know, that it would feel lazy to describe yourself that way. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And the yeah. thing is, you know, it does feel like lazy is a good way to put it. You know, yeah. we strive so hard to but that you know, it's funny at the other end of that, and this is a good argument to make, this is the devil's advocate, which I think is valid to talk about, mm -hmm. which is that, you know, all great art is really comes from something else. I mean, sure. all great paintings based on Greek mythology, you know what yeah. I mean? Or, or all epic poems are based on Greek mythology. Or that anything I'm writing isn't something that ancient Greeks and ancient Romans didn't write a million times before me. Yeah. You know, and, and so there is that angle of it, I think. But, I mean, we're all basically dealing within literary and biblical illusion. Like, that's all we're working with. Right, right. These stories are so well ingrained in our society, in our, in our, con in our minds, that uh, filmmakers can actually use them to manipulate an audience. They can tell a subliminal story mm. that we're so familiar with on this kind of like molecular level mm -hmm. that you know, goes back to Proverbs or whatever it may be, whatever it is. 
And we can actually communicate in these very subliminal ways. That's what's amazing about movies is that you can take something that is old as dirt yeah. and you can put this unique spin on it and uh, or tell the story visually where it's only been told in a painting or told in a book and you can really reinvent it. Yeah. So there is an argument to be made that like, you know, how, how futile is originality to begin with? Right. Extremely. Yeah. But, you know, no one's ever written love the way that I'd write it. Right. You know, we're all snowflakes. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? We're all different. And uh, so we should. And there's never been an album like my upcoming new album, <laughs> A Different Kind of Dream. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, so, yeah. I know. Yeah. Good plug. Yeah. Perfect plug. Hey, this there is you your go. show. You can plug yeah. whatever you want. Nailed, I got nothing nailed to plug. It. Yeah. Nailed it. I got nothing to plug. Nothing's coming Oh, we'll out. get some plugs later. <laughs> and then you, then you could tell them that you have nothing. But, okay. You know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So that's just something that, like. That's the that's the eternal battle that I'm in with myself, mm-hmm. and also as like you know a, a pseudo movie intellectual, where uh, I just like to lean over next to me, the person next to me, and whisper how disappointed I was, or whatever, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is. I just you know it's all it's all crap. <laughs> Your friend who was loving Isla Dogs next to you, and yeah. you're just like. She was as glassy-eyed as those dogs. <laughs> I was like, how did you have this experience? What movie did you watch? <laughs> I was, I'm just shocked that you can have such, and I'm, and my thing is, I think she's being the one that's not being objective at all. Like, I don't think I'm being overly harsh. The movie's okay. I don't dislike the movie. It was mm-hmm. fine. It was yeah. good. I liked it. It was okay. It didn't, like, move me to tears. Yeah, I think it would be a hard movie to, like, hate. You yeah, know? yeah, I don't hate but it. But it's, uh, yeah, I mean, no. regardless, I think anybody would at least find some some laughs and some joy in it. There is a lot of value, particularly in its craftsmanship. Right, yeah, and how it looks is I mean, gorgeous. absolutely insane. And just yeah. then on the technical feat of stop motion. Yeah. You know, they, I think that, I believe they shot that film on a 1DX Mark II mm-hmm. from Canon. It's still a photography camera, which has amazing video capability, but it's you know predominantly for still photos. Right. And it's because you have, when you're doing dealing with a real high quality image from a photo, you really look, you're working within like eight, 8K, you know, 4K is this big thing right now, but sure. we have 8K when you have yeah. in the real photo. Or if you're doing a, a, a Canon 5DR or a 5DSR, you're dealing with 50 megapixels, it's like 12K. Yeah. So you have, I mean, just the technical craftsmanship and how you use that technology to tell a very simple, beautiful story, there's a lot to value. Uh, and I did value it. Yeah. But I just, sure. Like I said, I'm just a harsher critic for people I actually admire. That's why I wanted you on this show. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm harder on people that I think are geniuses. Sure. Because it's like, be better. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Entertain me, monkey. Yeah. Is, you know, oh, <laughs> perfect transition. Oh. My next one. Speaking of monkeys, uh, my next puzzle piece <laughs> is actually, uh, I don't know, we've never talked about this before, but I don't know if you're uh, fans of these, but uh, they are computer games, actually, not a movie. Okay. The Secret of Monkey Island and Maniac Mansion. From LucasArts. Did you ever play those I back in the day? I have no game experience. Okay. I played Halo one time. Okay, this so. is way this is much further back. <laughs> okay. um, these are PC games. They're they're graphic adventures, like where oh, okay. you click on pick up, and then you click on the banana, and you pick up oh. the banana. And it's a whole story. But it, these games were were famous for being funny and for being very cartoon like, and um, the dialogue is like like really ridiculous, and um, a lot of the gags and jokes in this movie. Very much reminded me of that style of writing. Mm. Um, one particular example was the um, Jeff Goldblum's character uh, oh. always having a uh, you yeah. know a rumor that he was telling you know, right. and it was just like a little recurring bit you know. Yeah, that kind of writing totally reminded me. These these games were made by this guy Ron Gilbert um, for LucasArts back in the day, uh-huh. and um, I mean they're, they're class. They're some of my favorite games of all time. So oh, when wow. when this particular style of humor was popping up i was like you know oh that's great like that that is totally that and oh, wow. um, i don't know if anybody else mentioned that like i haven't seen that in any review or anything like that it right. might just be me but yeah. um i totally picked up on it yeah right no, that's cool i would have never put it together so right. that's really interesting to think about yeah I, i'm i'm curious if anybody else out there that's listening uh picks up on that at all um, but yeah, so the secret of monkey Island maniac mansion, those are the main ones, but a lot of that style of game, uh, the, mm-hmm. those old games, they were very silly, uh, dialogue driven and reminded me a lot of that. Cool. Um, do you have another puzzle? piece? I have one final puzzle piece, which Perfect. I don't know if it's cheating. Okay. It might be cheating a little, but it's Wes Anderson's own movies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this might be, this is the inception of puzzle pieces sure. that we're going to go. Uh, I feel like, yeah, I mean, we've already touched on it, but I feel like uh, he's become a parody of himself in a way. <laughs> and, when I, and I think of that, when I think of him now, I think of this like shtick. 
is mm-hmm. a shtick. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it it's amusing. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm a little bored, and uh, I want I want earlier, uh, fresher Anderson. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I feel like um, I think Grand Budapest was a turning point for mm-hmm. him as a filmmaker in the sense that it was really a departure from. Uh, it's going to sound overly critical, but like the human side of his storytelling ability. Right. Because when I look at Grand Budapest, it's hyper stylized. It's absolutely beautiful. It's a, really you know a lot of great stuff in that film but um it became it almost became a live action cartoon right you know there's the idea that you know jeff goldblum's fingers get cut off and there's even like little animation within it i think there's a couple of uh-huh. couple just a handful of shots sure. that are actually stop motion yep um and the blocking of the scene and the posture of the characters and the composition of the shots and the deep depth of field in fo- you know, that they use with the lenses, it all kind of looked like this big moving cartoon. Yeah. And in a sense, it's a triumph. You know what I mean? If that's what he was going for, totally right. nailed it. Absolutely incredible. But I felt very unconnected or not, not connected, I should say, to the, to the characters, to the story even. And again, it felt like there were those moments where they were kind of injecting sentimentality in the film to kind of give it some blood. They right. feel kind of, not, again, these are very harsh, dramatic words, but they did feel a little bloodless to me. And so when I see Isle of Dogs, I think it's like the next evolution mm-hmm. in this new style of his, which is just like a cranked up version of his old style. It's right. just like a hyper wooden version. I, I totally see what you're saying. And um, yeah, I think it, it it really comes down to whether or not you're okay with, with that style mm-hmm. um, because he he definitely is going more towards the comedy. He's definitely going more towards, you know, a totally heightened version of his old self. Yeah. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if something he does soon, like, kind of goes back to something a little more uh, character-based. Yeah, more, earthy. You know, yeah. You know, when I think of, like, I mean, Bottle Rocket is probably one of the most unique, uh, his very first film, because I don't think he actually had established his voice yet. So right, yeah. it kind of deviates from the whole feel. But starting with Rushmore, it, yeah. I think we can really see the genesis of his movies. They feel like they're part of the same universe, which totally. is great. You know, that's all good. Uh, but, you know, it's funny. I can't... Now, this is total speculation on my part, of course, but, you know, whatever. Uh, we're living the age of fake news, and so we can just say whatever we want. It doesn't, sure. It doesn't matter anymore. There's no yeah. standards. Um, no, but I heard a great quote uh, from Angelica Houston, mm-hmm. who had worked on um, Royal Tenenbaums. And after that period of time, uh, he was kind of a nerdy, geeky... Texan. You know, he had this kind of straggly look with glasses and didn't really take care of himself. And you can go see see photos of him where he just kind of looked like a, a kind of a, a, a roughed up collegian. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then he, he personally, the filmmaker Wesley Anderson, had like a, had a transformation. He started becoming very well-dressed and well-kempt and had to kind of grew his hair out and became a persona. Mm-hmm. And the, here's the speculation part is that I really think that affected his filmmaking style. I think he styled up, he polished up, and I think his movies have suffered ever since. <laughs> I think he has this like corduroy suit vibe about him now, mm-hmm. and he's conscious of his look and his persona and his identity. Yeah. And I think his movies have suffered. I want him to go back to wearing a dirty blue sweater and having a crazy $12 haircut. And I think he will make better movies again. See, I was all getting ready to agree with you, except for I was thinking you were going to say he's turning himself into a Wes Anderson character. He, oh, easy. Yeah, but yes. <laughs> I, mean, I would have yeah. agreed with you 100% on that He one. really has. Yeah. He now <laughs> occupies his own universe. Yeah. You know, and I hear all kinds of weird stories. You know, you hear things that are public and some behind-the-scenes stuff that, especially on his um, stop-motion animation films, that he's very negligent as a director, that he directs mm. primarily by iPhone from like his apartment and huh. he'll just like tell people what to do and not be very present. And, uh, and I don't know, like, I'm not sure that's a hundred percent accurate. Mm-hmm. That could totally be a fabrication. I've heard it on one more than one occasion. And that kind of sticks in my cross. Strangely. It's like, mm. go down there, man. Like, what are you doing? You know, yeah. I don't know. Like be a part of this. You know, your, your directorial style is so specific. Right. You have such this unique vision that you'd think that there'd be more of a connection even on that level. And I guess that as if that is true, I'll preface it with that. Yeah. That I think it actually comes across. I'm actually feeling that. I'm curious about that because, yeah, I, that would be very strange, especially for someone like him who's so very specific. Like, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought that of someone like him 
But, you know, who knows? It, it's possible. I had heard it about the set of uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, mm-hmm. that he did it primarily through FaceTime, that he'd FaceTime mm. uh, some of the puppeteers and things. And he was present, as far as I know, with a lot of the director, or pardon me, a lot of the actors for their vocal performances, mm. which I do think is crucial, and I think he was probably there for that as well. But yeah, there's just something about that. I'm not sure if there's any truth to it or not. But if there is, I don't know. Again, I'm totally projecting that. That's totally my own thing. My maybe own. maybe you just got advice from Trey Parker and Matt Stone <laughs> after they did Team America, and they were like, "Fuck puppets." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Never doing this again. Yeah, which that movie is excellent. Oh, I, love I that mean, movie. that's a superb movie. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, those guys are excellent. Oh, my God, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that brings us uh, to the finished puzzle, which I'm going to read down the list of uh, all the movies and styles that we, we listed here. Okay. Um, so we've got uh, Japanese cinema, um, of course, um, including uh, is, is Uzu. Uzu? Ozu. Ozu. And uh, Akira Kurosawa, specifically uh, Deskaden. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then also Japanese animation, uh, like Howl's Moving Castle and Spirited Away. We also have uh, The Jungle Book, Saturday Morning Cartoons, uh, Secret of Monkey Island, and Maniac Mansion. And also Wes Anderson <laughs> referencing his own films, the films of Wes Anderson. So that is uh, the the final list that we've got here for piecing it together. And um, yeah, just to uh, reiterate, um, go back to a quick little overview of what we thought of the movie um clearly i like this one more than you did but you definitely uh liked yeah a lot I, of parts of it and i really appreciate it of course like i said beautiful mm-hmm. a lot of work in it um as as an exercise of style mm-hmm. it's a really wonderful uh, continuation of his work sure um i, I didn't just i just simply didn't connect to the story i thought it was a little benign a little simple didn't laugh as hard as I imagined that I would. I laughed so much. That's, that's yeah, that's, that's odd. So funny. I mean, whatever. I mean, every yeah. that's the thing is like every joke is different for every person, so you can never really. But yeah, there was something about it, just kind of a sterile wooden quality to it that I didn't think connected uh, for me. Didn't land. But uh, no, no, I, I did. I did enjoy it, and I think it's a fun piece of cinema for people to go check out and mm-hmm. enjoy the beauty of it. What did you think of the score? Oh, let me look. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. The thing is, that... when you get to this level. Yeah. There's so many great people doing so many good things that you really can only criticize the vision behind right. it. Everything, yeah. Everyone's doing. Everyone's so brilliant. Yeah, you know that you can't really be like, oh, that score was junk. You know, it wasn't. It was well, these, these were the only two, if I remember correctly, anyway, the only two of his movies that really had like a lot of score to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the right. Grand Budapest and this, both Alexander Desplat. But uh, yeah, I mean, I love the score <laughs> quite yeah, a bit, know, yeah. and it was only a couple songs, which mm-hmm. is. Light for a uh, Wes Anderson film. Yeah, there was actually. That's true. Yeah. The, um, it there was actually a lot more sound design. Yeah. I think in this film that I've ever. I mean, there's a lot of sound design always, but this in particular, I think. Sure. The atmosphere in the world was a big part of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I I, I loved it. Um. Uh, I think it was kind of his most crowd pleasing film in a way, uh, despite mm-hmm. it being weird and despite you not being a part of the crowd that was super pleased, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. No. Um, but yeah, no, I, to me, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely one of certainly my favorite of his two animated and, know. you know, one of, uh, I don't know, maybe a top five or for me, even wow. I, I really liked it that much. That's amazing. Yeah. But, uh, Hey, I think this movie was kind of made for me. So was it like know? a top five Wes Anderson? Right, right. Okay, not like a top five. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> but I was uh, like gonna get up and leave. Right? Yeah, right. No, that time. would be uh, that, not quite that. Yeah, <laughs> but top five of his films. <laughs> yeah, top five of his films. I think maybe it hovers around number five for me. Probably. Wow, what's number one? Is that curious? I'm a list maker. I'm obsessed with lists. Yeah, I actually was working on a list the other day. I could bring it up, but uh, number one is still Royal Tiny Balance. Okay, yeah. it's the best. Yeah, for and a this... long time it was my favorite movie. Like period. Period. Yeah. yeah. Um, I my my favorite movie is adaptation though. Um, one of my all time favorites, man. Yeah. One of all time favorites. Right man. on. Oh my god, I'm a big right Charlie Kaufman fan. Awesome. And that film in particular is masterful. Oh, so good. yeah, uh, so, <laughs> so good. good. It's fine. I um, the, I'll do a mini plug real quick. I host a, a free art house cinema in Las Vegas with awesome. a woman named Vivian Martin, a friend of mine. It's called Cinema Mondays, and it's yeah. at the Sci Fi Center, and it's 8 p.m. It's always free every Monday night. 
And a couple months ago, we actually showed Royal Tenenbaums and we had like 30 people show up. And it's funny, I, I'm always critic I'm always talking about his movies because I kind of obsess over how I want them to be better. And my poor girlfriend has to like listen to that all the time. But mm-hmm. uh, she actually walked out going, like, I kind of see what you mean now. Like there's so much soul right. to Royal Tenenbaums. <laughs> like there's the emotions real and the idiosyncrasies of the characters. Like that's the thing is like, I think I'm not sure if him and he like him as a writer in particular, or just as a, this is like a new motif, but making someone quirky, like quirk, quirky, I should sorry, not quirky, quirky mm. and uh, idiosyncratic doesn't make them like interesting, deep characters. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, and it's like, Oh, they, you know, Ringo's their favorite beetle They're They must be fascinating. And it's like, no, that's it's yeah. not even close to right. fascinating. That's just a weird <laughs> thing about them. So when you look at like a Gene Hackman type character in real Tenenbaums, like there's a real history there. There's a, there's yeah. a, there's like a whole, real emotional core to that character that you can that you think is despicable and you think is wonderful and he's magical and i don't know i to this day i'll watch it and think that that's like his best output so far oh my god yeah he's so freaking good in that movie yeah excellent film just oh man (laughs) (laughs) wow well um yeah so you you just kind of did a plug you got anything else you want to plug before we we just plug right now actually so we're we're right at the plugs now so yeah big thing is cinema mondays because Mm -hmm. we really want to open up the film culture to las vegas uh i know maybe listening to me you won't believe this but you don't have to be a movie buff we're not gonna (laughs) criticize your opinions i promise it's a really open cool environment uh totally free and it's just for people to come and watch movies like i said you don't have to be a buff you just want to see something cool see something different we show films from all over the world from the last 100 years of cinema and it's a real passion of ours to to open it up more to the city so if you're interested in that you're always welcome um i'm coming out with a new film hopefully there's there's not many details i can actually share about it mm-hmm. uh because partly because i have no idea when the hell it's going to actually come out sure so uh it's i'm not just being secretive to help uh, fan the fire i just have no idea um <laughs> they're going to the message boards right yeah, now. <laughs> yeah they're like yeah they're starting, yeah start downloading the script and pass it around and get people interested no but so I, there will be a film at some point between now and the end of time that i have directed awesome. so keep an eye out i guess i'm for looking that. forward to it <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, thank you for being here. I'm glad we uh, finally got you on, and yeah. I'm sure we'll be doing it again sometime soon. I'd love it. Thank you so much. I hope I didn't come off too much like a douchebag. Oh, you're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so that was episode nine, Isle of Dogs. And by the way, I love dogs. But um, yeah, that was a, I, you know, I know we uh, we kind of went back and forth there about, um, you know, the merits of this movie. But I got to say, this is currently sitting at my number one favorite movie this year so far. Um, it's still early in the year. Uh, there's been some great movies and there's a lot of great movies coming up. Um, but currently that is my number one and I just, I loved it and I'm trying to get back to see it hopefully, uh, another time this week. Uh, but yeah, it, it was a fun one to talk about and, um, we have some more fun ones coming up. Uh, we already have an episode for a quiet place, uh, in the can that'll be coming to you next week. And by the way, uh, you know, we tried to, get this show really rolling by doubling up doing two episodes a week for a few weeks there uh we're probably going to settle back into one a week at least for the next few weeks um and then you know we might jump back into two a week for a while we'll see how it goes it really all depends on uh time and you know how many movies i get to see and uh you know what my friends are seeing and that way we can figure out and schedule more episodes but um Definitely hoping to do uh, one on Rampage next week as well. Uh, that would be coming after that, uh, a Quiet Place one. And then we have a few other movies that I'm, I'm hoping to get to, and we're just going to keep it rolling. But yeah, it's going to be one a week for the next few weeks. Uh, after that, we might go back to two a week for a while because it was uh, pretty fun just getting them out there that quickly. But, you know, we got we to gotta work it out time-wise. But again, thank you so much for listening to the show. And uh, we are going to be working on a website to go along with the show soon. So keep an eye out for that. But in the meantime, if you're not actually subscribed, please subscribe to our show on whatever your podcast app of choice is, whether that's Apple Podcasts, uh, Pocket Casts, Spotify, we're on there now. Uh, whatever podcast uh, app you like, make sure you subscribe to us. 
Um, also, you can follow us on Facebook, Piecing It Together Podcast. Uh, check us out on Twitter and Instagram, at uh, PiecingPod on both of those. And again, leave us a review, send us some feedback, let us know what you thought of this episode, let us know what you think of the whole show overall. Uh, we want to know your feedback, and we will read uh, any questions or comments you have uh, on the show in the future. So please, make sure you email us. I That's the second week in a row I didn't set my uh, phone to silent. I'm slipping, man. All right. Well, anyway, thank you again. And uh, now that this one's out, I'm actually finishing my new album that I keep talking about this week, A Different Kind of Dream. It's going to be uh, sent in to get pressed up and... Uh, Start getting it distributed everywhere um, by the end of this week. So you are going to be seeing that soon, and I am going to be promoting that a lot more soon. Um, but this being an episode about dogs, I thought I'd leave you with a special treat. Uh, this is one of the songs by a little side project of mine called The Pup Pups, in which I sing songs about my dogs, and in some cases the dogs themselves sing. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's a fun, ridiculous project and, uh, I'm going to leave you one of those songs. Why not? Right. So enjoy it. Um, this one's called big bright eyes. <laughs> 